I want to ask you a question as we get started this morning, and that question is, um, what, what do you want people to say about you when you're gone? I know you didn't expect to meet straight up with your mortality right when you showed up to church this morning, but, but what, do you, what do you want people to say about you when you're gone? Have you ever thought about that question? Like everybody's gathered around, the days are done, you're in the grave, and people are gathered around the headstone, and what kinds of things are they saying about you? It's a really good question for us to ask, and it's one that we want to ask over the next several weeks. I, I pulled out these four obituaries, obituaries from the New York Times, and um, I want to read them to you. The first is from Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks, a black seamstress whose refusal to relinquish her seat to a white man on a city bus in Montgomery, Alabama, almost 50 years ago, grew into a mythic event that helped touch off the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s. Died yesterday at her home in Detroit. She was 92 years old. It's powerful. Mother Teresa, hope of the despairing, dies at 87, September 6, 1997. Mother Teresa, the Roman Catholic nun who won the 79 Nobel Peace Prize for her work among the poorest of the world's poor. She died yesterday in Calcutta, India, where she had lived since her work with the destitute began five decades ago. She was 87. Carrie Fisher, an actress, author, and screenwriter. Miss Fisher brought a rare combination of nerve, grit, and hopefulness to her most indelible role as Princess Leia in the Star Wars movie franchise. And John Glenn, Died on December 8th, 2016, at age 95. A freckle-faced son of Ohio, Mr. Glenn was hailed as a national hero and a symbol of the space age as the first American to orbit Earth, then became a national political figure for 20 years in the Senate. We just think about these four people. Right, you've got Carrie Fisher, who kind of stumbled into this role of uh, Princess Leia. And really, it kind of encompassed, it overwhelmed her entire life. And actually, she would talk about it later to say it actually brought quite a bit of difficulty to her. Or John Glenn, and this guy on the other hand, he, he, de he, de he decided to use his moment in space. He made a bunch of decisions that led him to years of faithful public service. Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa, she didn't have just one moment. What Mother Teresa had was she had a lifetime of faithful service to the poor. She made an incredible difference in the world. And Rosa Parks, I don't think she was ever seeking any fame. But she probably never imagined that this one simple act, this one simple act would reverberate through history and that it would define a movement to this day. You know, some of these people, they took a risk. Some of them, they, they lived for other people. Some of them were caught right dead in the center of, of popular culture. Or they, they took a stand and ended up being a symbol for everybody. Your life, my life, can be defined by a moment, like Rosa Parks. Or it could be defined by a series of faithful decisions or a series of poor decisions. But every one of us has a legacy. Everybody in the room is going to leave some kind of legacy. Good or bad, everybody in here is going to leave one. So we're starting a new series of messages today called Legacy. If we're going to do this, we need to have a kind of a working definition. So here's what we're going to work off of. Legacy is something such as a tradition or a problem that exists as a result of something that happened in the past. Something that someone has achieved that continues to exist after they stop working or die. What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people to say about you when it's all over? And the question that I've been asking quite a bit over the past several weeks and months is, what, what, do people, what do I want people to say about our church? What should our church's legacy be 10 years from now, 20 years from now? As we discovered in those obituaries, legacy, it looks different for everybody. And we have to be ready for it. 
because it can happen in a moment. It can be defined in a moment, or it can happen by a long string of decisions, and that's what will happen to most of us. So we're going to camp out on this verse, Psalm 112, 5 through 6. You can open your Bibles there, or you can look up on the screen. Here's what it says. Good will come to, to him who is generous and lends freely. So what he's saying is, I'm, I'm not going to keep everything from me, from my life. I'm going to learn how to give my life away so that it makes a difference in the lives of other people. I'm, I'm not only in my generosity, but also in the way that I, I live my life. Good will come to those who are generous and they lend freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. In other words, I'm going to be really intentional about the way that I live. Surely, verse 6 says, he will never be shaken. Check that out, everybody. The psalmist is telling us that there is a way that you can live your life where you won't be shaken. Nope, Brent, nope. Come on, bro. Seriously, you're telling me that there's a formula. There is no formula so that my life could never be shaken. Oh, yeah, there is. There absolutely is. Now, look, I can't promise you that your life won't have some shaking. I can't promise you that circumstances won't shake from time to time or apparently dance. I'm not sure what's, what's happening there, but I can't promise that that's not going to happen. I'm going to promise that that's never going to happen again because that was unfortunate. But I can't promise that things won't shake, but I can assure you undeniably that you don't have to be shaken. You don't have to be shaken down to your core. You can control whether or not you'll be shaken. Listen, I think this is true. If you don't define what your life is all about, your problems are going to do it for you. If you don't define what you're going to be and what you're going to stand for and what your life is going to be about, your problems will end up defining your life. The verse goes on, a righteous man will be remembered forever. That is how we want to live our lives. Remembered forever. Not in a famous way, not in a way of, oh, he was so great, but in a way that our life continues to live on. We live in such a way that our life lives on after we're gone. That's what legacy is. It's a life that lives on. And so that's what we're going to talk about for the next several weeks. God wants all of us to live that kind of a life, a life that continues to live on even when we're gone. How do we do it? I think the psalmist is telling us how to do that in this passage. And he's saying a couple things. He's saying, by giving to something that will outlive me. Giving to something that will outlive me. I'm going to find something. I'm going to find a cause. I'm going to find a church. I'm going to find something that I can give to that will continue on. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your time. I'm talking about your energy. I'm talking about your ideas. I'm talking about your creativity. I'm talking about your talents. I'm talking about you pouring your life. Anything that you have to give, you give to something that will live beyond you. You give it in a way that will outlive you. We don't consume everything that we want. We don't consume everything that we have. Instead, we give it away, and you gain treasure in heaven. But not just in giving. I think the second thing he's saying is that we're actually living so that my life outlives me. I'm living a life so that my life outlives me. The goal isn't to live on earth forever, but to leave something behind that does. That's what we're trying to do. And I think when you live this way, it solves your problems. It solves all your problems. I don't mean that they go away. I don't mean that your problems are finished. But what happens is suddenly you are living for something that's bigger than the problems that you face. And so your problems, they just start to dissipate. There are plenty of people, even in the room this morning, that they're living a life that's totally consumed by problems, finances, jobs, families. And I get it. And I know that that's hard. You're actually going through very, very difficult stuff. And I would never make light of that. But I know that you can find something that's bigger than those problems and you commit your life to it. You dedicate everything to it and your problems suddenly, they start to diminish. 
find something bigger than your problems by giving your life away. And this is what our lives are about. We talked about it last week, finding your place within God's big story so that all the extra stuff, anything extra that comes, all the fun stuff that may come in life, that's just extra. That's icing on the cake because you're on a mission. Because this church is gonna be on a mission. We're gonna do some stuff over the coming season. So let me tell you why I think this is so important. I'm a pastor, so I think it's important. No, I'm a pastor, and one of the main ideas and analogies for a pastor in the scriptures is as a shepherd. It's my responsibility to help guide you and lead you and help you, to help you navigate life according to the plan of God. And as we're doing that together, I believe there are actually two areas in your life. There's the life that you live right here on the earth, right? There's the 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years if you live well and have good genes. Uh, there's the years that you live here, but then there's a second part, and that is the life that you live in eternity. Most of the stuff that we talk about, we talk about here. Most of your conversations uh, at work or in your family, they revolve around the stuff that goes on here. Budgets and work and papers and responsibilities and projects. Uh, it, all, it all happens here. But most of our lives are lived not here. <laughs> We've got 60, 70, 80, 90 years here. Most of our lives are lived elsewhere or lived out in eternity. And I gotta help you be ready for those days that are coming. Part of my job is to help prepare you for it. Because here's the truth, you're gonna stand before God one day. You, yourself, will stand before God one day and I'm supposed to help get you ready for that. Here it is, Romans, are you feeling encouraged? Like, no, I feel nervous now. (laughs) Romans 14, 10 through 12, here's this. You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? Why are you thinking so much about how others are living? Why are you pointing your nose at other people? Why are you perusing Facebook every day so that you can nail somebody? (laughs) Why are you so consumed with what other people are doing or thinking? Pay attention to your own life. That's what he's saying. (laughs) For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. There it is. You're going to stand before God yourself one day. You'll have a day in court. You'll have a day where you will give account for your entire life before God. As it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. One day, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is confess, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. And so you and I, we want to go ahead and be on the right team when that happens. That's why we, we, do, that's why we do it here. We focus on worship and focus on worship in our lives because we're going to go ahead and, and bend the knee. And we're going to go ahead and, and confess right now that Jesus is Lord. We don't have to wait for that day. <laughs> So then, verse 12 says, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. How many of you, when you were in school, you were really bad at taking tests? Like there's good test takers, and then there's bad test takers. How many of you are good test takers? You're like, I love this. I nailed every single one. Yeah, that's not that many. How many of you are like, you're the bad test takers? Like, I am no good. No, yeah, that's me. It was hard for me. What I would do, I would just cram everything in, and I would run to the test like I was trying to hold it all in, you know? like trying to keep it in my ear so it didn't spill out. And I'd get to the test, ugh, I'd get it all out, and then I got good grades. I graduated with honors. I was proud of that. I don't remember a thing. It all just kind of fell out. <laughs> but, but I wasn't that good at it. 
We had this class called Humanities when I was in college. You had to take four semesters of Humanities. And it was history, a huge history course. And at the end of every semester, you had to take what they called a synthesis. And the synthesis, you had to take five big ideas. I don't even remember what they were. It was like there's history and there's economics and there's art and literature. And there's all these dynamics through history through a certain time period. And you had to memorize all this stuff. They'd show up and they had five balloons with those categories in them. Like that was fun. Oh, joy, we have balloons in college. And so they had balloons, and they would pop three of them and take that card out, and you had to write an essay synthesizing those three things together. No, it was hell on earth. Like, I mean, literally, I, I think when you go to hell, and we won't, but it's probably a humanities course. But anyway, that's probably not theologically correct. Never mind, strike that. But it's actually really not theologically correct. But whatever. Um, Man, it was terrible. It was so hard for me. But wouldn't you love it? Like, did you ever have this happen? It happened to me a couple times where the professor would say, hey, we have a test coming up on Friday, and actually, I have practice tests. I have tests. I, and, and it's going to be some of the questions, and actually many of the questions. Did you ever have a professor that did that to you? Like, yeah, it was such a great day. That's kind of what we're doing here today. There's a test coming for you, and I want you to know what's on it. And the good news is we do know what's on it. I don't know exactly how it's going to be. I don't know what the language precisely is going to be, but I do know the content undeniably because it's in the scriptures. And it's going to be a two-question test. There will be two questions that will be asked of us. Here's the first question. Are you ready? You're going to want to write this down because it's coming. Test day's coming. <laughs> what did you do with my son, Jesus? What did you do with my son, Jesus? Revelation 20, 11 through 12. I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Everything you and I have ever done, written down in a book in heaven. Oh, come on, man. Every single thing that we've done. And that day, you stand there. We call this the great white throne judgment. And the book is opened. And you go through and you get to give an account. But there's a second book. There's another book called the book of life. Other translations call it the Lamb's book of life. And if your name is written down in that book, guess what? It erases everything written in the other book. (laughs) It's gone. So So when you open it up, he looks through it and says, Huh, there's nothing here. There's nothing here. Uh, Jesus? And Jesus says, oh, he's in this book. He's in this book. That book doesn't matter anymore. Isn't that incredible? That's the day that's going to happen. I love this idea of books because Psalm 139 says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. There's a plan and a purpose for your life. And then there's a book of all the stuff that you do. And then there's the book of life that says, oh, we'll just cover over all of this. It's a pretty incredible thing, and that day is coming at the great white throne judgment. When it happens, you want him to look through that other book and say, I can't find him. He's here in the book of life. There's going to be some people on that day that aren't going to be found there, and they're going to pay for their own sins. We don't want that to happen. You realize that hell is not a place where God sends people that he's mad at. That's not what hell is. Hell is 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 a place that people go to because they continue to choose to live their own life. They chose a destination and they ended up there. And God, through history, has been doing everything that he can to make sure that people don't choose that. Thanks, David, for liking that. Um, 
Matthew 7, 21 through 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. A lot of people are going to show up and say, but I did a lot of churchy things. I was there. I helped set up baptism. I ran pro presenter. I greeted people at the door. I made coffee so nobody was grumpy on Sunday. I did that stuff. And they'll say more than that. I did all these great works for you. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. That's why we want you to experience and know God here. So the right, the right answer, when the test comes, the right answer is, I know him personally. What did you do with my son Jesus? I know him personally. Which means he is everything to me. He is the one priority in my life above all things. And you answer that, and you've got a great eternity. So here's the thing, everybody. Some of you just need to do that today. You need to make the decision. I'm going to know him today. I'm going to give my life. I'm going to surrender everything. Don't pay for your sins. That would be foolish. They're already paid for. Jesus paid for all of them. That's the first judgment that determines your eternal destination. It's a heaven or hell question. The second one is different, though. And it's only asked if you answer the first question correctly. This, this question is about the second judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. So the second question, I don't know, it'll be something like, I don't know exactly. I don't know they say, Brent Parsley, please come. I don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> oh, God, I don't know what it's going to be. But it's coming. It'll be something like this. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do? What did you do with all the things that I gave you? I have a responsibility to you to make sure that you answer this question well. That's what today is all about. 2 Corinthians 5.10, here it is. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Check out that word. Notice the word reward. Reward. In, In the Greek, it means essentially to pay you back. To pay you back. Jesus wants to pay you back for the life that you live here on the earth. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, shoot. <laughs> Here's what that means, everybody. How you live your life here matters. It matters. Not to get into heaven. That happens by God's grace. That happens through faith by the grace of God. You don't get into heaven by works. You don't get into heaven by doing good things on the earth. That's not part of this. This is all about Jesus and following him with all of your life. It's about you becoming an apprentice to Jesus and being like him. But once heaven is your destination, then how you live your life here matters. It matters enormously because you're going to give account to Jesus for what you've done with everything that he's given you. So the right answer here is, I gave my life away. I, I gave it all away. I didn't hold anything back. I lived my life so I realized that it just isn't about me. This is not about me. I gave my life away. So before Jesus, before you meet Jesus, your whole life is about finding Jesus. And if you don't know him yet, we want to help you. Man, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make. But after you find Jesus, your whole life becomes about making a difference, making a difference in the world around you. So how are we going to do this? Well, let me show you a little bit. Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has also set eternity in the hearts of men. I just think that's a really amazing verse. God, put eternity in your heart. You don't have any choice but to think about it. 
That's why you can go to another part of the world where they haven't even heard anything about Jesus or, or they, don't, they have strange ideas about religion and, and villages here and there and, and still they're worshiping. They're, they're thinking about something that's gonna happen at the end. Eternity's been put inside of our hearts. Unfortunately, too many of us, we don't know what to do with that. So what we do is we just live haphazard. I don't know, man. Case, they're all, they're all. Whatever will be, will be. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna see what happens. I'm gonna roll the dice in life. You live spontaneously or just intuitively. You live by chance. And instead, because there's a test coming, we need to live our lives intentionally. Intentionally. If you're going to stand before God, if you're going to be asked the questions, if, if you only have a short time here on the earth, let's live intentionally. Let's make sure that the One Chapel Kyle family, we ace this test. Amen. And the world around us here in Kyle and Buda and San Marcos, they know we ace the test because we made a difference beyond the four walls of our church. So let's decide. Let's just decide. We're going to do a few things that will help us to leave a legacy. i got three things I want to give you. First, I will intentionally give what I have. I'll intentionally give what I have. I'm not asking you to give things that you don't have. God's not going to hold you accountable for things that you don't have. He will hold all of us accountable for the things that we do have. So I'll intentionally give what I have. 2 Corinthians 9, 11, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God has given you so much gifts, talents, abilities, financial resources. I mean, the truth is, everybody, I know that there are financial issues, but if you live in America, you're pretty rich. You've been given so much. And so here are a couple practical applications for this to intentionally give my life away. Number one, I want to encourage you to become a percentage giver. Become a percentage giver. That's a big idea because a lot of us are led so much by emotions. Like, uh, if I feel it, if I feel emotional about it, then I'll give something. Yeah. If I got some money left over, then I'll, I'll go ahead and, and give something. I'll, I'll put something in the offering or I'll, I'll do something. And what happens when we live that way is essentially, I think it's more like we're more tipping than we are really giving generously. Right. You're becoming a tipper of God when you live that way. Oh, good service. Nice worship. Here you go. <laughs> oh, hey, that sermon actually wasn't half bad. Here you go, Lord. Like, I think that's essentially the way that this breaks down. But becoming a percentage giver, it means I'm going to develop the value of giving. I'm going to have a value of giving in my heart, and I'm going to decide that to show that, I'm going to give away a percentage of my income. Now, the Bible uses 10%. 10% of what comes into our lives is given back into the storehouse to be used for ministry. And we do that all over the world through One Chapel. To plant churches, to help missionaries, to partner with organizations around our city. Uh, you, you do all that stuff when you give. If you read the entire Bible, though, it doesn't just stop with 10%. I know that some people have an issue with the tithe. Tithe means 10th and giving 10% of your income. And they get concerned about that. Well, that's Old Testament. That's fine. We can talk about New Testament theology where you give away everything. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm willing to have that conversation if you want to. But probably 10% doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> that's a good place to start anyway. <laughs> Listen, I think, I think if, if this is not a part of you, I don't, I'm never going to coerce you. I'm never going to push on that. But I, I just want you to know, you just start where you are. Right. You, you, you will be so shocked and surprised by what God does when you do it. Yeah. So start with 1% of your income. Next month, try 
Wait three months. Go up to 3%. Just work your way up to 10% and watch what God does. It's incredible. Uh, Maria and I, we, we have lived this way our whole married life. I lived that way when I was a young man all through college. And I'm so glad that I was raised with this value in my heart. It has been a major blessing to me. We're intentional with our giving. I want you to do the same thing. Second thing that we're going to do to help do this is this December, we're going to take what we're calling a legacy offering. December 10th, we're going to take a legacy offering, something we're going to start doing every, every year, actually. And what we want to do is have an offering where uh, we, we, we all give sacrificially and we take the next step, the next massive step into what God wants us to do as a church. We step together into the next season of what... Now, we've got a big vision around here. We want to plant 10 communities in the next 10 years. We have three. We've got about eight years left. So, so what happens, though, is we think, oh, yeah, well, Austin, they need to get on it. When's the next one? When's the next one? I don't know. We should ask ourselves. <laughs> When's the next one? We need to start thinking, oh, when are we going to plant in San Marcos? When are we going to have an extension of the One Chapel Kyle family? That's the way that all of this works. We have a big vision to do that. And, of course, it takes resources to make all those things happen. We have 30 organizations that we partner with right around the Austin region. We want to be able to continue to part with them. We want to make a major dent. We want to bless them. We want to help them. What if we decided then that we, we would give and we could take care of a bunch of teachers? Let's pick an elementary school, and we're going to give to those teachers and make a, have a major blessing for them. Help them buy the stuff that they can't buy for their classroom and take care of those kids. Or what if we take care of some foster kids and foster families, and we give and we bless those? We can do those kinds of things, and that's kind of what the legacy offering is going to be about. Now, I want you to know something. I will never twist your arm. I will never coerce you. I'm not going to show you sad videos and make you cry and pull at your emotional heartstrings so that you'll be forced to give. I wouldn't do that. I will never do that to you. What I will do is ask you to pray about it. Amen. Just say, God, what do you want me to give? And then obey that. And that's all. That'll come up on December 10th. We'll talk more about that. That's going to be really fun as we go forward. And then in your cup holders, you have a little card. It's an acts of kindness card. And we have them actually in Espanol as well. Uh, but, and if you, if you need them in Spanish, they're out at the Spanish interpretation table out there. But there's a little card right here, and I want you to take those two. So there's one for each of you. I want you to take one. If you need more, there should be some at the info table. I want you to take one of these, and I want you to use it this week. Take and use it this week. It says, something extra to show you that God loves you. So pay for somebody's coffee behind you in line and leave this card for them. Buy somebody's food in the drive-thru and leave this for them. Um, leave, it at the, leave it at the window and drive off. They'll show up, get free food, and go, <laughs> be really excited about it. It'll be just like that, too. Um, go mow somebody's yard and hand them this card. Uh, take somebody flowers. Buy a box of donuts and take it to an office and give them this card taped on top. Like, just find something to do. A little something extra this week to prove to you that there are people out there who love God and they love you because of him. And make a difference. So let's all use these this week. Cook a meal for a neighbor. Whatever it is. Just find some, bake some goodies. Take it to the fire station. Whatever. All right? Here, let's finish up. Second thing I want to encourage you to do is I will intentionally serve others. I'll intentionally serve other people. Some of you are new here and um, you're like, hey, man, slow your roll. I mean, I just, I just sat down. I came to the church for the first time. Uh, I've had a bad church experience. Like, I get all that stuff. And if that's you... I want you to relax. I want you to find community here. I want you to enjoy the people around you. I want you to, I want you to take a breath. I want you to get refreshed. I do want you to plug in and meet some people because that's the way you get refreshed, not just sitting in a seat on a Sunday. But take some time and get refreshed. But now for the rest of you. Oh, that was too serious. <laughs> if you're a One Chapel family member, 
It's time, everybody. It's time to leave a legacy. It's time to do something outside of yourself. It's time to get off off the bench. It's time to say, put me in, coach. In fact, we have a card right there in the cup holder that says precisely that. (laughs) Put me in, coach. I'm ready to do something. Matthew 20, 26 through 28, it says, Now, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the model that Jesus gave to us. Serving is the model that Jesus gave. So how do I do it? Get on team one. We still have holes that need to be filled. We've got two services that are brand new to us. We need people to serve and take care of other people and do something that matters on a Sunday morning into eternity. And just sit in a seat and worship and have a good day for myself. That's good. But you could do something that matters for eternity by joining the team. Come to a service and serve a service. Lead a small group. Jump into a group. You want to start one now? I'll help you roll it out. I'll introduce you to Christy Nelson. We'll help you roll it out. The semester's already started. You're a little late. It doesn't matter. We'll roll one out for you. Serve with For the One Outreach. Before the One Outreach, here's Johnny and Emily Spiegelmeyer right here. They would love to talk to you about the For the One Outreach. Stand up, guys, and just turn around so everybody can see your lovely faces. There they are. Look at them. Just look at them. For the One Outreach, they're already involved in training for prison ministry. They've got a ministry called Bondage Breakers where they're helping people with addiction. There are great things happening, and you can be a part of it right now. You could uh, come to Falltober 2. Come to Falltober 2 next Sunday and help serve. They still need some help there. Or you could serve with one of the 30 organizations that we partner with in our region. Go to onechapel.com, look under serve, and you'll find all those things listed. You can send an email and you can get started right away. I will intentionally serve other people. I'm going to give my life away. I'm going to do something that matters for eternity. And lastly, actually we're going to do something a little bit different here. We're going to come to the Lord's table as I finish this. So I want you guys to go ahead and grab the elements if you would. And I'm just going to have you pass them out while I, while I finish up here. They're going to pass the communion elements, and you guys can take them and just hold on to them. We'll pray over them. And so why don't you guys come, Adrian? We're going to finish this up together. The third thing that I want you to do as we close is we'll, we'll decide we're going to leave a li- live a life of legacy. I will intentionally share Jesus. I mean, those other things are great, but without him, <laughs> there's really no point. <laughs> I will intentionally share Jesus. I'm going to look for opportunities to share what Jesus has done in my life. That's why Falltober 2 is a great start. People, there is a massive carnival. I know it's happening in Canada. I get that. Lake Travis is essentially Canada to us. But you're like, why is it in Canada? That's bad planning. That doesn't seem wise. No, it's at Lake Travis in the Spicewood area. It's about 50 minutes from here. But it's a massive carnival, big Ferris wheel, costumes, Trunk or treat. Some of you really should decide to go do trunk or treat um, because it's a great ministry outreach. More so, we need to beat everybody else, but whatever. Um, but Falltober 2 is coming next Sunday. So you, you can do this right now. You can invite a neighbor and say, hey, I'll give you a ride. Come with me. And they'll go to a church event and go, this is a church? This doesn't seem like a church. It's a great first step. After this series of Legacy, we're going to have a series that we're calling At the Movies. And it's a time where we're going to look at kind of modern-day parables just like Jesus did, we're going, to look at mo- mo- we're going to look at parables and we're going to find truth from the scriptures in them. And it's going to be so cool for us because, I don't know if you know this, we meet in a movie theater. But it's a great opportunity for you to, you guys go ahead and start passing those out. It's a great opportunity for you to bring some friends and have them hear the story of the Lord Jesus. Here we go, let's finish. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Don't get too distracted by the communion. Did you see it? 
we're Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal to the earth through you. That's what he's doing. And that's what your life is supposed to be about. It's God's plan. He doesn't have a plan B. Nobody else is coming. It's just you and me. Okay, so what do we do? Luke 14, 23. Go out into the country. Urge anyone you find to come in so that my house will be full. Mark 16, 15. Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. 